This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. of uh, the Forever Bristol City podcast is a voice well known to those who listened through last season, active participant on Twitter and on OTIB with lots of uh, intelligent conversation. It's uh, none other than uh, Dave Febbs. Dave, good afternoon. And uh, how's the summer been for you so far? I guess good, good afternoon back and, uh, you know, a, a face to a name probably for, for both of us as well. So, uh, yeah, no, good, good, good to see you. Um, yeah, I guess it's been uh, it's been quite interesting, really. I've, I've not really got myself that geared up for the Euros, and you know, normally I'd kind of be all over it. I'd have all of my all of the England games and permutations in my Outlook calendar at work. Oops, in the middle of that, um, and and I'd know exactly when I might need to book some time off for games and all that kind of stuff. And I went into the tournament pretty uh, pretty blase about it, really. And I guess then with like like a day to go to England's first game, I, I started to get into it a bit, and I've been trying to trying to catch as much as possible so yeah it's been a been quite interesting same old England in some some oh, respects yeah. itself. I mean I put I, I mean interestingly we we sat down and watched the uh, playoff final uh Brentford and then the uh, the Chelsea game both on the same day and we both said on the end of it they were the first two football matches that we properly sat down and watched and actually enjoyed for the first time in a very long time and I'm not a great fan of uh, international football, but you know, I dutifully sat down and watched it. And I think I put on Twitter after the uh, Scotland game, and I wasn't alone in that. That it was very much like watching a city home game for the last three and a half years. And you know, some other people put that. Um, would you? Would you concur with that? I. I was massively disappointed by the Scotland game. I, I was quite enthused after the Croatian game because I've probably not watched as much of England over the last 18 months as, as I have done previously. I've, I've religiously watched England games in the past, you know, a bit like the Lightly Lads as well. If I've not been around for a game, I've recorded it, avoided the scoreline and all that kind of stuff and uh, then caught it up, you know, watched the whole game, you know, a bit, bit later on. And, and over the last 18 months, I don't know, whether it's just because I've got so much more into watching EFL stuff in particular, even like Premier League, I've not watched as much of over the last year, 18 months. I kind of been, you know, it's not not been my thing. So I've, I've not probably seen whether England has developed that much over the last 18 months. People have told me that with Foden, et cetera, that it is a different England team. But unfortunately, the Scotland game made me think, oh, this is much of the same stuff that I've watched over the yeah. I'm very much like watching City. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, we, 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 we always have one good game in the tournament. And if you go back to 96, I mean, the only game that I saw live was the actual opener against Switzerland. No surprise, nil-nil draw. But then we have that thumping uh, victory over... Um, uh, the Netherlands back then, mm. and then I think we beat was it uh, well, and we beat Scotland. That was in the group stage, so we beat Scotland in the group stage, Netherlands, and then uh, didn't we beat Spain on penalties before the uh, yep. Germany game? So yeah. we do a game. I mean, what I, he is so cautious, Gareth Southgate, and I was chatting to a, a pal having a cup of coffee this morning, and I'm glad he picked it up as well. There was one bit in the second half of this week's game uh, where. 
we were on the attack and I could see it looked, there was a forward pass open and there was an opening on the left, but there was one player who was actually walking back to his own half. And the friend of mine that watched it, he actually caught that same moment because he said he didn't even have his eye on the ball. It was almost, I've encroached into the other half. I will go back. I mean, he is a very cautious manager, Gareth Southgate. And he's, he's right for this time that we find ourselves in. He says the right thing and... You know, I can't believe he's modelling clothes. What was he wearing? What was it? A shacket. I haven't got one myself. But I think he's overcautious, and that's why the likes of Sancho and, um, what, Jack Grealish, Foden even, he, he doesn't seem to want to play them. Yeah, I, I guess i probably see it from two sides. I think he is cautious. I think there's an element of him that says, we probably haven't got the best group of defenders that we've had at kind of national level for a, for a while. Even, you know, not a great fan of Mings, although I thought in the first couple of games he played really, really well in, in fairness to him. Um, I thought he was going to be a bit of a liability and he's kind of proved me wrong. But I think there's been that overcompensation for perhaps defensive weakness and that's therefore then hit at the other end of the pitch and we've not been as expansive there and not made the use of the the attacking players so I think it's kind of a bit of a double-edged sword really you know mm. I guess you could say attack is the best form of defense whereas I think Southgate maybe sees it the other way around and that, and that defense is the best best form of attack let's keep it tight and in fairness against the better nations I think in the past we've always been a bit um, arrogant that we can take on anyone. Yeah, and not, home, not respecting. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, you know, I might be proved wrong on Tuesday night, but I, I'd rather us play a slightly more cautious game against the Germans because I think that's the way we're used to playing under under Southgate and, and see what happens. But I think it's a, a game is probably in the balance, really. I don't think either side's particularly in great form. So no. we'll, we'll see who plays well on the night. So yeah, what, what do you think about yeah, what do you think about Harry Kane up front? Because he's getting some pelters from different quarters and he's almost like he's he's nailed on for first choice selection. Um there's rumors of his hundred million pound move somewhere, although the Man City money looks like it's going to go on Grealish at press reports today, mm. to be believed. But you know, do you think he's carrying the weight on his shoulders, Harry Kane? Because he doesn't look people say he looks out of sorts. I'm probably you know, you might have seen some of my posts on OTIM about Kane. I'm not a great lover of him as a as a all-round footballer. I'm not saying he's you know he's rubbish or anything like that. He's a fantastic goal scorer and, and he takes his chances and he, and he comes alive in that kind of 18-yard box. But outside of the 18-yard box, I think he's a bit of a... Liability is too strong a word, but I don't think he's the greatest player for, for team play. And mm-hmm. I think in those games where England are playing against the better sides, where we struggle to keep the ball and we turn it over and we chase it around for you know, 60 70% of the game, I often think Kane's quite a fundamental problem in that because we're effectively almost playing with nine outfield players because he doesn't get involved enough. That's not to say he doesn't get involved at all because he does, but you know the ball doesn't generally stick to him. So well, we've heard that before. There's a certain player that used to be. It's like a, it's, what you're saying is he's like. I mean, if Fam is a top of the range forward, then Harry Kane is a mid-range BMW. That you know that yeah yeah that's a good point. And I think. And I think, you know, it's about maybe with Kane and, and Southgate in particular, maybe it is that maybe we do need to go a bit more gung-ho in certain games to be able to maximise the mm. ability of Harry Kane when he gets in the box, yeah. you know. And, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. International football is quite tactical, isn't it? And, and, and yeah. I think other teams are perhaps better tactically than what we are and technically yeah. than we are. We get found out, I think. Yeah. I mean, in fairness to Fam, I was having a little pop at him there, but Kane, you'll stand... I'll stand corrected on this, but he doesn't do that defensive work that Fam used to do, does he? At all, I don't not, think. Not, not to the same. Not of the same name. And talking about the paucity of defenders or quality defenders in the uh, England setup, I mean, I think I heard one of the analysts say, or might be in the press, Stones has always got a mistake in him, uh, yeah, a bit like because he's a bit too casual, but that was quite a big uh, step for um, Harry Maguire to come in and do a full 90 minutes with no... I mean, we say about City players coming from two months out and then they're straight into the first team. You know, I've been reading the Jerry Gow book and uh, uh, by Neil Palmer and it's talking there about, you know, players would have 
a couple of reserve games. I mean, Maguire came through, so he's got a degree of fitness, but, but was that a bit of a risk running him for the full 90? Yeah, I guess so. And as I kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, I thought Mings had done really well in the in the, the two previous games. So I think it's good to have Maguire back as an option. I think Stones has got a mistake in him, but I think that's the kind of type of defender we've got at the, at the moment. And uh, But I think he, once again, he's defended defended really well mm. um, in, in the opening opening few games as well. Um, and, he, and he's comfortable on the ball. I think, you know, the Croatia game, I, I start to see some kind of patterns of play that I thought, actually, yeah, we're playing here to, to some kind of purpose. Kind of went out the window against Scotland. And I think first mm. half against the Czechs, I thought it was, it was quite, a, quite a good game, actually. And I thought we played better in the first half. And then second half, I think it was, we're 1-0 up. You know, let's not extend too much energy. Let's, you know, we were a bit let's, safe. Let's not try and half. finish first, <laughs> which we did. Yeah, I think in a way it's probably worked out all right, though. You know, obviously we've got Germany to get through. You know, take each game as and it after comes. that, boring, boring, boring. But in the semis, couldn't you? Yeah, from that. But let's segue into City through mm. the Euros and let's look at a couple of players that have featured quite well. Um, I'll come to Adam Nash first, and. Some people say, oh, he's had a great thing. I watched about 20 minutes of one of their games and I saw him sort of marking space with very little else. And I think you picked up on one of your Twitter feeds that you'd seen him charge in for a few tackles. I genuinely feel he's one of those people that his international career is probably more important to him than uh, Bristol City. But for me, he wasn't all that in the games I saw. So let's talk about Nash first. I mean, do you think... He's likely to be, I mean, he's going to get time off to have a bit of relaxation after the Euros. But do you think, I can't see him being in Nigel Pearson starting 11 five weeks tomorrow, can you? It's going to be tough for him, isn't it? I think there, there are other options in there. Um, you know, I've I, I, I got to say, I haven't watched any of the Hungary games with any real, you know, detail. I, I caught a little bit of the, the French game. And I think the first thing I saw was Naj kind of skipping away from two players, then lunging two-footed into a French player and missing. Thankfully for him, for him, because I think, I think he might have got red carded that he made contact. And I think it, I, I see a different Naj playing for Hungary, a more and you know, only my opinion. I see a more committed Naj playing for yeah. Hungary than I do for Bristol City. And I think that's my always been my biggest concern with him is that. I don't doubt his technical ability. You know, he's really good at that kind of continuity play in terms of getting the ball, giving it, getting it back, making angles, etc. And and even kind of those little kind of angled passes that break the lines. You know, I don't doubt his ability in that, but I, I've always questioned his commitment in terms of yeah. you know getting hurt or anything like that. And, and maybe that comes with injuries. And 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 the other thing for me is is you know, and you've probably seen this in the OTIF or he's got this ability to be a bit of a headless chicken in terms of chasing the ball rather than yeah. keeping his defensive discipline. So but that's not to say I don't think he's a decent player. And I, I'm more than happy to have him in the squad. And I think it, I, I always, you know, I'm a great believer in that it's a squad game. And yeah. people come in and they take their chances and then they, you know, if they play well, they stay in. So we'll see how it works out. Yeah. I mean, one player I forgot to mention, I will come on to Callis in a moment, but obviously somebody you you know, uh, well, you know his dad and, you know, you're, you're a supporter and that's Joe Morrell. And that little bit of hungry that I watched with Nadge, whenever I've watched Joe Morrell, which isn't a lot, but he seemed, they, I mean, I'm guessing if I said to you, this time last year, who do we keep, Joe Morrell or let Nadge go back some way to Europe, you'd say... Joe Morrell and his World Cup, you know, left through to the last 16. He's he's done as well as any of them, hasn't he, really? Yeah, he has, yeah. And I think, you know, there's a big difference in there between international football and club-level football, certainly in the, in the championship. And, uh, and I think in both cases, you might actually argue that they're perhaps both more suited to international football than they are, you know, the, the, you know, the physical stuff of the, of, of the English championship. And, mm. uh, and maybe that, you know, Joe's very disciplined in his role, and I, you know, I know from speaking to his dad how much gigs and now Page really like the fact that he's disciplined and he'll stick to the task that, 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 that has been given to him. And I think that's a, a really good thing. And he's shown that he can play at you know a, a good level, but you know club football is massively competitive, and 
Nathan Jones has obviously got his favourites, or not favourites necessarily, but he's got yeah. his people who he's picking ahead of him, and that and that's football. And sometimes that's be. you go you go and work for another manager, and it all all works out. And so we you know we'll we'll, we'll see so what he could happens. Could end up there. back at Lincoln, couldn't he? I guess that's the other thing that's being mooted. Yeah, for him. yeah, wouldn't surprise wouldn't surprise me if there's other other clubs interested. You know, in yeah. championships. So fi- as well. Finally, on uh, our players in the Euros, Thomas Callas. I mean, he's looked. He's looked steady. He's looked accomplished. He let uh, Harry Kane know he's there a few times. I mean, do you is do you think he's gonna? He, you don't think he's gonna be captain next season, do you? And maybe that was why he wasn't the greatest last time out for us. Pro- probably not. I think that there's a you know there's a kind of a man management side of that from Pearson in terms of you know. How do you hand if you are going to change the captain? How do you handle that without kind of putting the player out? So we'll, we'll see how, we, how that handles. I, I think they're probably likely to be better candidates, and even if that's you know, new signing Matty James is, is kind of captain material, um, maybe even Joe Williams, some someone like that. But we, 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 we'll, we'll see. I, I think yeah. you know, it might be well, actually, Callis, you can continue to be the, the captain because actually we've got other leaders on the pitch now and that takes a bit of the pressure off you and you're the mm. club captain, if, if in inverted commas. We're, we're, we'll see. It's probably not my biggest worry at the moment. He's, he's no. going to have the little band around their sleeve. But Well, let's look at uh, what's going on up at the High Performance Centre, uh, the Hamstring <laughs> Probability Centre, as we named it. I mean, for me, I guess one of the most important signings was nothing to do with what uh, goes on uh, once they cross the white line over 90 minutes. This was Dave Rennie, not to be confused with the uh, the, the balding, uh, also uh, connected with Leicester City midfielder feature featuring in our 89-90 promotion season. But Dave Rennie, the conditioning or physio, whatever you want to call him, his track record looks to be impeccable. He knows Pearson. I mean, it was thank you and good night to Mr. Ashton and Andy Rolls and the rest of that little entourage, Luke Werhan. I feel sorry. I've got a few Ipswich Town friends and, you know, like I said, I feel sorry for you guys, but that's that's an important signing, Rennie, isn't it? And I reckon he cast his eye over the players before they went away on their break. Would you think that was uh, true to say? Yeah, well, we, we saw him in the on the Robins TV pictures um, in the dugout or in the dugout area for the, for the Brentford game. That's and then right, it kind yes. of went, yeah. it went a couple of weeks before anything was announced. And you think, oh, has he just come in perhaps on a temporary basis at the end of the season to get them into, you know, the close season. And then obviously it's, it's subsequently been announced. And I think it, it's pretty clear that Pearson and, you know, I don't think he's the best poker player in the world from some of his interviews. You can tell the old touch of the ear and you can uh, hear the pools with that. Um, yes, and, and we've all seen it. And uh, <laughs> that tends to be when he's about to either say something that's perhaps not factually correct or he's trying to perhaps sugarcoat something that perhaps is not well. And we, we saw that in the interview last week that, that, you know, it's pretty clear that to bring in Rennie, he's not been impressed with the setup, which has included Andy Rolls. I think there's another guy as well. Um, I can't remember what I think about the Andy the ex- Cost. The, the guy who came from Stevenage and with very little experience who popped up here and has now popped across to Ipswich. So there's a whole gaggle of people that have gone over there. But maybe we'll see the effects of all that as as the um, as the season progresses. Are you? You've got to have your trust. You've got to, you've got to have your trust in the medical people, haven't you? Yeah. You've got to be you've got to be able to say, "Are you telling me this guy's fit or not?" And, and making your decisions off the back of you. If you haven't got that trust, you're kind of you're opening yourself up to either, you know, playing players when they're injured or not playing players, and that that's not a healthy situation. And I think you know Nigel's come in and said, you know, not only does he you know recognise his expertise, he's, he said he's a friend as well. So you know, he's not once again he's not tried to kind of play that down in in terms of you know he's he's been pretty open and honest about what he's brought him in. So I think that's a a good thing. Are you fit or not? Because it was allegedly towards the tail end of last season with Marley Watkins, where was he fit or wasn't he fit? And whether, whether Pearson wanted to play him in a game or he did, I think he played a few minutes towards the end of the season, but you know, it just does seem to be so, I mean, just the whole way, even that Ashton was there right at working his notice and, you know, it, it just an absolute mess. Richard Gould coming in as chief executive, I think that's a, it's a totally different character to uh, Mark Ashton, isn't he? Yeah, com- completely. Uh, you know, I 
probably put some facetious comments on on Twitter over the, the past couple of weeks around, you know, Richard Gould, it seems to be, it's all about Bristol City. It's all about winning games. I think that was his comments yesterday to, to, to Gregor. You know, it's not about Richard Gould's ego. It's not about him being involved in transfers. You know, we, we've, we've not seen Richard Gould give, give his little quotes at the bottom of a new signing like we did Mark Ashton. And in fact, if you go and follow that into Ipswich Town, you haven't really heard much. You haven't heard much Paul Cook on a signing. It's all been about Mark Ashton. And I think, you know, I do have my view on Mark Ashton. It probably clouds perhaps some uh, perspective at times, but I'm so glad he's not at the club anymore. And I'm glad he's taken, I'm glad he's taken his, his uh, entourage with him. And I'm, I'm glad we're starting again. Yeah. Some people might disagree with me and I, I might be a, a little bit OTT on that, but Hey, that's that's where I am on it. Are you are you surprised that we haven't got a director of football because we've got Nigel Pearson saying he doesn't like dealing with agents, and then Richard Gould dealing with a cricketer's agent and just the sums of money involved and just knowledge of the game. You know, is there a gap that you think may get filled at some point, or do you think this really is a season of consolidation and people are talking about anything above 15th for us this season is pretty damn good. Do you think it's like he said to Steve Lansdowne, Steve, look, let's do it my way. I'm not going to let you down. We're going to take baby steps in terms of progression and okay, mindful of costs, I'll deal with it. It's not my area, but I'll deal with it. And I've got somebody who knows me as in Dave Rennie. I know he's a physio, but you've already or conditioner. You've already said it's his mate. So they're going to be able to talk about players, aren't they? Yes, is that... Do you, are you surprised yeah. they haven't had a director of football or recruitment league coming in? I, th- I think we, you know, I'll start by saying I think we do need one. You know, directive, director of football, you know, let's, let's kind of take it as an acronym and I think it can cover a multitude of different types of role in there. So, we, you know, I'll, I'll perhaps tackle that in a second. But So I think we do need someone. Do I think we need someone... For the sake of it now, no. And I, and I kind of, I was asked by James Piercy in the Bristol Post to answer some questions a, a week ago, and I, I kind of wrote back on the, on that particular point and said, I think we do need one. Do we need one at the moment? No, because I think whilst we're in closed season, Nigel Pearson can take on that kind of general manager, head of recruitment type role, because mm. you know bar fighting off wolves and going on country walks and things like that. You know, what else has he got to do? The season's over. He's seen enough about the players. He's already been planning for it. Does he need someone to come in and help him do that? Not at this moment. I think as we go beyond this window or towards the end of the window, and I guess you'll see how Richard Gould operates as well, we'll understand whether there's a gap for someone to fill in there. And it might purely be, someone to do maybe contract negotiation and, and do that kind of agent aspect, not necessarily the full-blown director of football, head of recruitment type type person. So I think, I think you could have jumped into it, pointed the director of football, like say a Steve Walsh, because that's the name, or, or the... That's the name McKen- was on everybody's Mc- lips. Or Mc- McKenzie, yeah. the guy the guy was at Leicester as well. You could have jumped straight into that. And actually, it, it might not be what we need. So, and I think he's just... I think Nigel Pearce has been quite clever. He's not he's not jumping into things. He's taking his time. He's evaluating. You know, even with the coaches, I'm probably digressing a little bit. He's decided at this point in time, he's going to stick with Downing and Simpson. He obviously thinks they're good enough coaches technically. And maybe, you know, it's okay, well, I don't want to pay them off. I'd rather use some of the money I've got to enhance the yeah. squad. So I think there's lots, lots and lots of trade-offs. So I think eventually we will see someone coming in, bridging that gap between the football manager and uh, the chief executive. Yeah. But I, I think don't I see it happening the, in this yeah. window. Talking about Downing and Simpson, I think I said to you when we were having a chat um, just the other week, I would have expected part of the rationale, I recall, it was mentioned, I'm sure, last year, was bringing them in because their connections with the England squad, the under-17s and the under-19s when they're in charge, most of those players, with one or two exceptions, are probably at Premier League clubs, not in the final squads of 25. And I thought we might have picked up one or two gems from that source because of their network. Has that been a disappointment to you, Dave, that that, you know, because coaching-wise, you'd say, well, they haven't done a good job based on last season. But did you expect maybe to be a few young England prospects or former under-19s 
coming in to through the door at Ashton Gate during this time? Yeah, I certainly, certainly saw it as a, a big possibility. I guess we had one with Sessignon, didn't we, that previously yeah. worked for them in, in the age groups, but um, yeah, it didn't materialise to, to, to anything more than more than that. So yeah, yeah I think the, the kind of jury's, jury's out on that one in terms of what, what the reason for bringing them them in was um but yeah. yeah you know once again you know there's a, we don't see what goes on at Phelan or the high performance center whatever it's called mm. but i think you know the, you'll you'll see some people argue that you know the coaches are pretty much dictated to by the by the manager or the you know the, the head yeah. coach so yeah we'll, maybe, we'll, we'll see maybe, how they work they, 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 they might we'll get more out of Downing and Simpson than what yeah. Lee, Lee Johnson and probably certainly uh uh, Dean Holden did, you know. Yeah, um, no, exactly. Maybe that's I'd say. But let's I'm look at our, yeah, let's look at our friends that have departed the club now right. on the playing side. And I can't remember all of them. I mean, I just said to you before we started recording this, I mean, he was a player, more of a pundit with his final third of the field comments. Rennie Gilmartin went to Swindon and it's just broken the news as we've been uh, doing this. Uh, him and the new manager, Swindon. Have both left, haven't got to the bottom of that. But uh, so Rennie Gilmartin not really on the playing side. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Fam hasn't got fixed up with anybody yet, has he? No, talk about a, a different Turkish side to, to what was mentioned a few weeks ago. But yeah, nothing yeah. material. I would imagine with a, a lot of them, we'll start seeing movement on the on the first of July. Things like end of contract. That's going to be the trigger point because Pato Pato's got fixed up at Coventry City, hasn't he? Yeah. I haven't heard. I haven't seen that officially announced unless it's, it's been not announced official, today. Is it? All right. Okay. So it's yeah. on the um, it's on the uh, uh, it's on the forum, um, yeah. and I didn't. I read it and didn't take it as uh, I thought it was yeah. a deal. So, Typically, so no, has, anybody, has anybody got fixed up then out of the departed ones? Um, no. Lan, Lan, Henry Lansbury has. He's gone to Luton, hasn't he? And Tommy Rowe's yeah. gone to Doncaster. And Tommy's gone back to Doncaster, hasn't he, from that perspective. So let's yeah. look at incomings now, ones that have happened, and they're a bit a sort of, uh, well, they're not thin on the ground because we've got that. Let's, let's, let's do it in some sort of order. I mean, Andy Vyman signing him, uh, you know, he's coming back after a, a year out with an ACL. He's turned 30, if I'm much mistaken. Yeah. He's obviously not getting the same wages that he was on before. Um, good signing for Bristol City. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I I really like the guy. I think he's a good good player. I think he'll fit what Pearson wants in terms of that energy. You know, let, you know, with with all these things, I'm not as uh, clear cut as Ian on knowing people's people's wages. Um, so let's let's talk ballparks. But if he was on eighteen to twenty grand a week here. To pay him that for for a year and just exercise his option and just kick the can down the road, to me wasn't a very sensible thing to do. So, mm. it's either let him go or offer him something, you know, to to make him stay. And you know, the, the rumours are he's he's taken a sizable pay cut initially, offered a couple of years, and then with interest from Stoke, it's been you know let's give him another year on top of that, and that's been enough to make him sign. I think it's a a sensible 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 signing from that point he's of view. obviously still going to be one of the higher wage earners and i mean look i'm not i'm not a fan i know he runs around a lot but he's been doing that for his whole career and you can't fault him for effort but let's say he's costing let's say he's probably in the top four wage earners at the club now after we've had the clear out and when you look at some of the youngsters that we've got that haven't got their first season back at age over 30 coming back from a, as i say an acl could that money have been better spent? Yeah, because he doesn't offer anything defensively. Yes, he can run for 90 minutes. He can draw players. I'm trying to think of all the good points. But from the mm. youngsters' um, perspective, um, do you think uh, that's blocked a path for any of those? I'm thinking Sam Pearson. and oh, is it Pearson? Well, Pearson and Bell and Semenyo even. Yeah, I think, uh, you know... Uh, Turn it around here. I'm obviously prepared, Dave. You know, but um, I I kind of lined up our squad in a in a kind you of four are. two I three. Know. I was going to come on to that in a minute. So let's yeah. let's do that. So that's so, so Andy Vyman's in. He's, uh, he's 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 signed up. I think Danny Simpson's a good choice. One year contract. That's fair. He's 34. He's a known quantity to the manager. And I think mm -hmm. getting onto the shape of the squad. Yeah, as you've got mm -hmm. there. I've seen it. You've got your little thing on OTIM with all the players. You you see him coming in for his experience in the dressing room, 
and as backup for Zach Viner, because you're of the opinion that Zach is right back is going to be his position. Is that right? Yeah, exactly that. Probably said it from the point that Pearson said, I'm looking at a single position for Zach or whatever his words were. I think my view was, I'm, I, I'm guessing the fact he's rarely played in centre-back since he's come here, since Pearson joined the club, that he's probably not thinking of him as a centre-back. Further evidence when he says, I want to go out and get two new centre-backs. I don't see him playing in midfield, even though I think he did quite well in there for us because we've got plenty of other options, especially now we've signed Matty James and we've handed Kings on the radar as well. We've got more than enough in there. So very early on, I thought it's right back for Zach Viner. Played there a couple of times in the end of the season before last under under Lee Johnson, before he got sacked in Forest away and, and another game. And I think there's a, there's a view from Pearson that if he's, you know, rebuilding and he said it himself, I'm going to rebuild the spine, in which case... If I can get Danny Simpson to sign his contract and Zach Viner is now my bona fide right back, that's one less position I have to worry about recruiting him. And I think that's yes. quite sensible. And it, and it might be we get to Christmas and Viner's obviously not, may not have worked out there or Danny Simpson's passed it. For example, I don't think he is. I thought, thought he still had enough legs in him when, when I saw him back end of, of last season. But actually, we get to January and it's actually, we need a bit of a rethink here. We need to bring someone in or... Right, Danny Simpson's going to get us through to the summer and then I'm going to recruit my top-class right-back by yeah. putting it off for next year. And that, that's, how, that's how I see I might be yeah. maybe a master in the mark. But That's on the right side of defence. Now, if you look, I mean, are we going to assume that we're going to play a, a back four or three? I mean, yeah. it can vary, can't it? But if we work on the back four side of things, let's flip across to the left-hand side if it's a, if it's a back four where you've got... Jada Silva. Now there's been talk of Barry Douglas joining us, which was mentioned three years ago, wasn't it? Before he joined, uh, he, he went Wolves to Leeds, didn't he? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Barry right, Douglas. Yeah. We got Jada Silva, who's been injured more than he's been available. Do you think we need to get cover on the left backside? Assuming it's a four, particularly now that Tommy Rowe's gone, because he didn't let us down too much on that side. He didn't no, offer anything no, he did a good job. Forward, yeah. But do you, would, would Barry Douglas be a good acquisition, or you know, is he another one too many of the dad's army that are coming in? Probably, yeah. I, I think the, the big the big question is 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 okay, I guess there's two two questions. One, Jade Silver's fitness. Let's hope the fact that he's had an operation on his on his shin and it was a fracture rather than perhaps shin splints and I'm I'm not the expert on shin splints uh, at all I think Ian, Ian's our, our, our person in the know on that side but if Jada Silva's had his operation to cure his leg and he's okay then we you know we he's our first choice left back and I really really like the guy I think he's a really really good technically on, on the ball and I think he's a better defender than people give him credit for as well but you know I understand people do question you know the is, is height or lack of lack of height in terms of defending back stick. But, you know, I, I think he's all right at that. I think he's good enough in, in the other attributes of a defender. So you're then left with Cameron Pringer, George Nurse as your left back. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. Cam, Cam Pring's 23. I think he's 24 midway through the season. He's never played at this level before. George Nurse is a year younger never played at this They're level all before. High and risk I think when your first choice has got a dubious injury record and if if the Silvers out any of those three coming in would be a risk then is what you're saying, isn't it? In that in yeah. that point. Gre Gregor seems to think Riley Taylor might play, but Riley Taylor's not a left back. You know, I know no. he played a couple of times there for us as but you know, unless they see him as being the the, the backup, we, we we'll see. So uh yeah. but it, it wouldn't surprise me if later on in the summer we look and see what's available in the left-back spot. Yeah, as, as people start landing in uh, different places. And you go no. into the middle, and if you say, right, Callas is, uh, Callas is in there, yeah. Um, and then there's a whole host of left-sided defenders that have been mentioned, namely, you know, you've mentioned uh, Ostergaard, I picked up on Ben Wilmot, who went from what who went from Watford to Stoke mm. now, and probably too much money, but Stoke having money because they've sold. You then got the lad from uh, Oxford. Is it is it Atkinson? Who's the Oxford yeah. lad? Yeah, Rob Atkinson. Yeah. You've got a number of targets there. 
that are left side. And then you've got, uh, not Jason Cundy, but you've got Robbie Cundy as well. That we, we seem to be all left-sided um, on that. On the right side, the only cover we've got for Callas is Taylor Moore, isn't it? Who looks like he yeah. could be the one, one of the ones most likely to go out the door. So do you see two centre-backs being signed, which fits the, I need five players, two centre-backs, two in midfield and one up front that appears yeah. to be signed. So what do you think we will get in the middle yeah, yeah. I think I think whatever we get, we'll want someone who's dominant in the air, so, and, and that's why you know I've probably been you know pushing someone like Ostergaard, who I think would be a real real asset for us, whether we can get him or not is, is another cat of fish. Atkinson is probably the most like Webster, decent yes. in the air, good good on the deck as well, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see that one materialise in the, in the next week. I think we'll, if we have to grind down Oxford, we, we will do and, and they won't be able to, to hold on. So I think I, you know, sat in it, sat here today. I think that, that might, might happen. And then it's trying to find one more. And then whether that one more is an experienced type like Tom Lee, some, you know, I'm a bit about, about that one or, or whether it's a, you know, a, you know, someone else who's kind of come from, you know, perhaps, you know, a pool of players that I'm probably not not looking at. You know, and, and we'll 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 see. Um, I think people like Robbie Cundy's got a chance in pre-season, a bit like Pring and Nurse, really, to say, "Am I good enough to to be squad and, and cover?" Um, he's certainly come on leaps and bounds, so that'll be that'll be quite interesting to see how how yeah, he, he does. He did a whole it. season, Cundy, didn't he? Pretty much for the Jets yeah. season. So that's kind yeah. of sort of like a four, as we say at the back. And you know, for those that are listening. We know we could do. I mean, I think somebody like Riley Towler, his credentials start to come into play if we are ending with three centre backs, because then you know that's you're saying that's his position that that he could play. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah. You move into midfield, and I'm just looking at what um, I think it's one of the people has put on OTIP. Um, in front of the back four, you've got the screening of uh, Joe Williams and Matty James. Now, Joe Williams and Matty James on paper. That looks pretty impressive. I know Matty James played about 30 games last season, but the total number of games played between the start of last season and about four years prior to that was a bit light because I think he'd had persistent injury problems. But Matty yeah. James and Joe Williams as that axis protecting the back four, would you see that uh, an obvious um, uh, pairing there? Yeah, definitely. I think that you kind of look at it on paper and those two look a, a kind of quite a nice um, combination. Williams will tend to play on the right side of the two and James on the left side of the two. But, you know, I've probably said it loads of times on the Forever Bristol podcast as well, that it's a squad game these days. You can't play everyone every single minute of every single week. And, it, and although I kind of line the squad up in a bit of a 4-2-3-1, it wouldn't surprise me if we went a bit more 4-3-3 at times, in which case you've got room for the other midfielder in there and a bit more rotation. And, and then you start to bring your Najas in, your Backinsons and your Masengos into a more conventional midfield. I'm probably not one who's overly fussed about whether Masengo plays in that very advanced midfield role. I still think he might be better at this level coming from a bit deeper, but we, we'll see. But yeah, those are the... Uh, those are your mix of kind of I mean, five in that. I to be the offensive midfielder in the, the middle, who's not with the club, uh, but played well against us, and many people think he'll get retained this season by his parent club. Is it? Uh, is it Jewsbury Hall, the uh, double barrel kitty, who was so yeah. effective for Luton last season? But um, yeah, I think you probably saw a thread I put up in terms of you know we know Robbo Red loves his Barry Bannon, so you know. I, oh I don't God, no! Say. I think I think that I think that ship has passed now, to be honest. But, uh, but so, there we go. So, so I, that's the four, I'm, I'm the two, and then the three. I mean, you know, you've got where's where's the wide player and the pace? I mean, is that if you're going four two three one, is your wide pacey player Vyman? backed up by Semenyo or where does Callum O'Dowder fit in there? So, I, you know, I'm not his greatest fan. Is there anybody yeah. the greatest fan? Yeah, no. but, you know, where, you know, Masengo was the most impressive player in Pearson's tenure. So you've got to say, if it's a three in the middle, he's probably going to get one of those. Yeah. Then it's yeah, I think, how you complement him. 
Yeah, I think if, if so, I'm still a bit mixed about whether Masengo plays in that that central attacking role. But I think either side of them in the in the in that three, I think you know Weimer will be my kind of first choice on the right hand side with Semenyo backing him up, um, and that probably means Pearson's probably third choice. And then, but on the left hand side, you know, I'm not his greatest fan either, but. I, Let's hope Pearson can get more up. And that's O'Dowd is probably my first choice on 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 that left hand side. And then in the middle, you're really looking at Permian, whoever's not not playing out of the, the other midfielders, which is a combination of someone like Casey Palmer. I think Alex Scott will definitely feature. What confidence, what talent, what confidence he had in that, what was it, 25 minutes against Brentford? But the way I think he took a free kick and the way he moved on the ball. I would yeah. sooner see him, you know, some players play 17-year-olds, yeah. We've seen players in the Euros at 17, they're out and out talents. And I think Scott staying would be beneficial to bring him on as a player when one of the more experienced heads is out of it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I certainly wouldn't loan him out. I know people are very keen to say, so say loan. I know quite a lot of people are keen to say, oh, he needs to get a League One or a League Two loan. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste him on League One and League Two. He's already proved to me in, you know, hundred odd minutes for us that he's got the ability to play in the first team. And I wouldn't want for whatever reason if you know someone gets injured or someone's out of form that we that he's not available to pick. I think he should be around around the squad for every game. And if he's not then playing the twenty threes keeping himself sharp and he, he can come in and out as, as we as we deem fit. I wouldn't I wouldn't let anyone else have him. I agree. But you could envisage then having Matty James, Joe Williams as anchors, um, Vyman on the right, Semenyo or somebody like O'Dowder on the left, and then Masengo that can flip between back and front. And I guess mm-hmm. the odd man out there, bearing in mind that you've also got Backinson and Naj that are good central midfielders, and you've thrown in Andy Scott into that equation as well. Uh, the odd one out in all of this seems to be Casey Palmer, who as somebody said to me the other day, he's done half a dozen good passes in his whole time at the club, yeah? Doesn't appear to have the greatest uh, work rate and he's probably on high wages as well. I mean, he's a player that we might unload if the right offer came in or we could tempt them or something like that. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's probably at risk, in my opinion. I think he needs to, you know, I probably said he should come back and if he can really impress in pre-season. But if he gets called up for the Jamaica uh CONCACAF stuff, he ain't going to be around pre-season. So I think he's really going to be struggling to get himself up to the levels we need. And then if we don't want to keep him, he's also not available for other clubs to take as well, unless it's probably a you know a loan maybe later on in the in the, the, the summer window. So I think he's a, a threat, but we'll, mm. we'll see. I'd, say it, I, I'd sit here today and say, if we keep all of our players, I'm, I'll, I'll be pretty happy. I don't think we desperately want to lose players. If you get the right offer in, I think you take it, but it'd be, it'd be difficult to shift on wages and fee. Yeah. I mean, Dave, if somebody came along and sat up Naj and took Palmer off your hands sort of thing, you, <laughs> although they're experienced players, you know, it's this classic thing that we've always, we were saying on the, on the podcast last season, we got lots of very average players rather than good ones. I mean, the cost of, yeah. The cost of the wages of Naj and Palmer, and as you say, we can't get rid of Palmer because he's on contract, but the cost of their wages, you know, we're going to move on to talking about signing forwards, but, you know, they don't, they're, they're not integral to the side. They're bit part players just in this team that we've put together, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think you only have to look at the minutes that they that all of those people have played. None of them have, none of them have reeled off 35, 40 games for us, have they? You know, no. they're all in and out the side. And that's why I guess, you know, talking about Naj is, yeah, it's great that he's had a fantastic tournament for Hungary, um, playing well against top sides, but we haven't seen that form for Bristol City, not not in a string of games. We've seen flashes, seen flashes of poor as well. I think that's why you just have to avoid getting carried away with this and suddenly think, oh, he's going to come back and he's going to be a world beater for us. Mm. He wasn't a world beater for us last season. So, yeah. Why are we suddenly expecting that now? You mentioned another player you mentioned that we're being linked to uh, is Andy King, 
Yeah, not to be confused with the ex-Everton Andy King, who's probably the same age as I am now or something like that. But, uh, you know, another one of... Uh, I don't Pierce's, think he's still with us either. Dave. Pearson's Pilgrims or whatever we want to call them. No, he's not Plymouth. Um, if he did sign, that makes it even more congested, even more congested in midfield, doesn't it? Yeah, you'd think that if someone like Andy King signed, that someone's on their way, wouldn't you? Yeah. If, yeah, that's how I see it. And I guess, you know, you hear all kinds of rumours come out of the club. I guess I was less convinced that it was a double swoop from Matty James and Andy King than, than perhaps other people were. And, you know, he's been training with us allegedly, but, you know, we, we saw, we, we see that happen quite a lot, don't we, where clubs invite someone in for training or they want to keep fixed, they're trying to get fixed up. Now he might end up signing for us, but I say if he does, I think it's because someone else is going out the door. Yeah, is it him or Matty James uh, uh, from the Bristol City supporting family of of the two? Andy, Andy King, yeah. yeah, it is Andy yeah. King, yeah. So that 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 would be that would be good. His heart would be in the right place. Okay, let's move mm. on to the front. Now mm. we've got, you know, you've got Chris Martin, you got Naki Wells, you've got I can never remember his name, the guy who scored uh, against Brentford on the last day of the season, the youngster, L- Louis. Louis Britton. Louis Britton. And then you've got your Pearsons, your Bells, and what have you, all lively. Jimmy and Conway, all lively little players. Yeah. And I mean, if you started, I mean, we know them, but if, 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 if a team was coming to Ashton Gate with two up front, and what have we done? We've done four, two, three, one with what we've been talking about, the setup. But let's assume we did have two. And somebody, mm. and it was Chris Martin and Naki Wells as a front pairing, and they hadn't played for us, so we've been able to scrutinise them and take our view of them. You'd say, well, that's not a bad pairing. They're both a little bit old, but they're pretty useful. Yeah, yeah. If we do that four-two-three-one, right? You've got all those players that we've just mentioned on one slot, and I know I don't know how many subs we're going to be allowed next season, where it'll be seven pick from three, or none of that's yeah. been decided yet, but. And we're talking about going out and buying one. Yates was top of the list from Blackpool, but that, that's gone now because they're in our division. Piggott at Wimbledon seems to be the favourite, uh, what seems to be the name banded round. But if you bring somebody like Piggott in, then, you know, Louis Britton, he becomes third choice when it comes to that target man. And then you've yeah. got Naki, who's another one that you'd say, mm, not massively impressed yeah hasn't been coached or played in the right way doesn't really like it out on the left where he hasn't got pace you've got again too many you can't you're trying to fit a court into a pipe pot what would yeah, you do I, 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 I think you're exactly right i think the, the four two three one that i stuck on my bit of paper works absolutely fine until you get to that one so the four two three bit looks looks all right in my eyes and I think we saw a couple of indications from Palmer at the back end of last uh, Palmer Pearson sorry at the, at the back end of last season where I think they're ideally they'd like to play two now I don't know whether that four two three one suddenly we lose that attacking midfielder in there and it becomes a more of a secondary striker and therefore it's Martin with Wells alongside him or Martin just dropping off, which he which he does well. That might be what we see, or it might be a bit of horses for courses as well. But I think if you're going out there and buying a striker or bringing a new striker in who's certainly going to be like first team ready, then maybe there's that little movement to it being more of a two up front. And it might you might just go a bit old school and go four four two. And 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 if he does, absolutely fine. You know, I think as long as the team know what it's trying to do, it might be that we go a little bit more. Direct as well. We'll, yeah. we'll see, but I think I think that would lead me to think that if he suddenly signed another target man type player like Piger, that that might be that we're going to perhaps play two up top. So if you go four four two, then you drop one of Vyman or Semenyo because you you still need. That's where that space has to come with you effectively playing two wide men. And people have always said Vyman, his best position is down the middle, and he's never been able to play that at any. Yeah. You know, that's why one of the reasons why he came here was that he thought he would be able to play down the middle and he's not being played in his favoured position. No, I think if you did that though and, and went with a you know, 4 4 2, 
I think who, who's playing wide right is, is that Vyman, as you say, and that goes against what, what he said. If he doesn't, you play Semenyo, that's kind of more of a forward playing play in there. Yeah. And, and that's why that's why perhaps it, I think we have to kind of wait and see what happens in pre-season and, yeah. and see, how it, it, see how it shakes up. It's really I mean, difficult to judge. If Eliasson was still here, playing on that wide left with Chris Martin or Pigger uh, or Louis Britton in the middle with with um, Naki and one of the or the Conways or something like that feeding off. Mm. That sort of looks right, doesn't it? If you've got yeah. two up front with wide left, yeah? yeah, a proper because how many times in a game, uh, or how many times in a season, never mind a game, as as do we see um, Callum get to the line? And there's a good thread yeah. on Oted today saying that he's been here four years now and we've not seen the best of him. And there's obviously a five, player in there. Five years so, now. Is it five? Yeah. Goodness yeah, me. 2016 he joined. Yeah. Yeah. So it's five complete seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And he's probably had 10 memorable games and that's probably been generous over that time. He's been out injured yeah. and stuff. It's a very interesting conundrum. So, but you, you think it's pretty certain that we will end up getting uh, another forward and then you know it's um seems to me that's what Nigel wants he wants someone to put the ball in the back of the net players out the door interesting interesting very interesting well this week saw the fixtures I don't think any more you want to add on the the team day because you know we we I think I think we're broadly in agreement we know roughly what it's looking like but is there any Players that we've not mentioned that have been linked with the club. Any other players other than maybe Taylor Moore that might be going out through the door? Don't I don't think so. It's all, it's all pretty quiet. And I think what we're seeing is most clubs got rid of the, the bloat in their squad through letting out-of-contract players go. And we were probably the biggest uh, protagonists in that with the yeah. 11 or so players that, that, that we let out the, the door. We've also since lost... Um, Jojo Wallacott as well, haven't we? So not that, that's probably, you know, so that, that's kind of an, another player gone as, as well. So I, th- I think it's just the nature of where we are. So I think actually people have, have generally, or most clubs are going for generally trimmer squads. And I don't think we'll see as much transfer activity full stop. It's almost kind of make use of what What's you've done got. Is done. What's done yeah. is done. Do you think yeah. any of our uh, OOC players will end up either at uh, the Stadium of uh, Light or at Portman Road? Um, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if you know the, yeah. the likes of. I'm just look, looking at my list now. Delican, wouldn't surprise me. Jack Hunt, maybe. Yeah, you know, that, that. they could do a job. They could do a job at that level. All right. So fixtures came out this week. Um, mm. Always an exciting time. The uh, the uh, Caribou Cup draw was done as well, which was uh, Forest Green Rovers away, if I'm correct there. But yep. opening with a home game against Blackpool. Probably won't have Yates up front. You'd think, in normal circumstances, that would be a game we'd hope to win, and it would be a it would be a good way to start the season with a win against a newly promoted side at home, probably in front of a full Ashton Gate as well, all being well. Um, yeah. You know, and then what? Just take take us through the. Is it an easy start or a difficult start? And let's assume the ills of last season have been buried, yeah? And we've got a fully fit squad, Joe Williams included. Um, what's the start of the season look like from your perspective, Dave? You've got the fixtures in front of you. I probably have, but yeah. over to you. Yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting you say, like, you know, forget the ills of last season. I, I, I was almost going to say, well, there's quite a big parallel with the start of last season that we started off with promoted Coventry at, at home first game of the season and got off to a find 20 seconds star and then find it quite quite tough for a while so uh yeah I, I guess I'm never one to count my chickens on in, on on any game but um yeah Blackpool at home first game ups uh, a, a favorable start for us I think I think the, the the difficulty is really understanding where our opponents are going to be in terms of squads by the by the time we play them you know Middlesbrough come up next away from home we haven't played them we've got a good record at, at, at Middlesbrough um, away over the last couple of seasons Reading I think are about to become the next uh, what's the word uh, bomb scare club oh you mean from a serious. financial perspective yeah yeah so so wouldn't surprise me if by the time we, we play them they've had to have some form of fire cell so we, we'll, we'll watch that and then you've got Swansea will probably be quite strong yeah um, 
and then Cardiff in that first month away from home, Cardiff will be a, a tough nut as well. So I think I think it's a mixed set of fixtures we've we've got there. Um, I, you know, I'm not necessarily one for predicting points, but if we could if we could get two wins in the opening five, I think we'd be, we'd be well pleased happy. with that. And so yeah, the season. It'd be nice to win at home, Dave. I think if we if we can get us secure at home, that will make a big difference. Yeah, if you look back over the years, it was always to a well, to a point, Fortress Ashton Gate, you know. I mean, and I think if the home fans are happy and there's goals being scored, I can remember in the old first division days, I'm talking sort of Terry Cooper time and you mm. know, in the nineties and what have you, you know, we had we were all we were good goal scorers at home, you know. We'd have um, one season where we had about six or seven three nil wins you know and if the yeah. fans are seeing in the flesh what's looking good uh, it's interesting i said to you uh just before we started recording this you look at the fixtures i think we've only got 10 home fixtures from new year's day to the end yeah. of the season so if you say well new year's day is all but the last day of the year then it's fa cup nine fixtures from the middle of jan through to yeah. the first week of may ending up with uh Huddersfield away. I mean, you just, you know, away to Luton is on Boxing Day. That's not exactly... Is it Luton away, Boxing Day? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Millwall at home on New Year's Day. I mean, there's not too many Londoners are going to come travelling down for that. But I guess very soon they'll start planning the the televised matches, won't they? Yeah, I guess that'll be when the fixtures start to change around a little bit, um, certainly in terms of timings, but... And you just yeah, wonder whether we could be the because usually the FL starts with a Friday night match. You just wonder whether, you know, newly promoted. I haven't looked at the opening day fixtures across the board, but newly promoted Blackpool at Bristol mm. City. You could see that because I'm, I'm just about to book park on my drive with somebody. <laughs> I know if I book it, I know if well, I book it, it will be flipped to the to the Friday uh, to the Friday night or the Sunday maybe. But, uh, I know the place we, we go to in Cornwall on, on holiday each year. That, that's a, a purposely booked Friday to Friday. So uh, we, we're yeah. all we're always back for the Saturday. And I guess if City were were at home on that Friday night, we'd probably leave a bit earlier on the Friday morning as well. Not not that I've told Mrs. Mrs. Febs that. Yeah. No, well, that's uh, like that's like with the first week of September. Always a good week to go on holiday because of the first uh, international break, and we're going away for a few days in the Lake District at the end of October. And we're away at West Brom, which is a game I'd go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, we won't be trying to change uh, where we're going just, just to watch that. Or Barnsley at home, which wouldn't be the biggest yeah. loss um, if, uh, yeah. if, I, if I couldn't see that one, trying to be diplomatic there. Talking about <laughs> Barnsley, um, their manager, Valerian Ishmael, has um, popped up at West Brom. So that's a mm. good choice for West Brom and ambitious. And I think they've lost their chief exec as well. He's gone to Nottingham Forest, I think, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah, young... he's gone. I know it's, I know it's rumoured that he's he's going. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a quite a big shake-up for them as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll see whether they maintain their momentum um, or whether their the wheels come flying off. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting and one. Think, and we talked them. again just before we started recording, we talked about, you know, one of our targets, Alex Moat, who you reckon was probably on... Wages half what we're playing. Somebody like uh, Vyman, even now, or maybe not now, but certainly on his previous. Yeah. You reckon that he might follow his manager to West Brom, who'd have parachute money, so they'd be probably able to, a bit like Webster. Well, they'd be able to say to Mauer, "Come and play for us, and we'll quadruple your wages." And that's going to be a more attractive proposition than coming to Bristol City. Yeah, he's obviously hung on to not signing a deal, probably because he knows there's stuff going on. I would imagine, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and I've not, you know, I, I I like the guy as a player. I I, I genuinely think he'll have had far better suitors than us in terms of yeah. changing clubs. And you know, and if someone like West Brom come in, then you know, you ain't got a cat and owl's chance, you know. But yeah, he's certainly a top end championship player, and undoubtedly there have been other clubs. You know, someone like a Bournemouth or someone like that would have would have probably been in the mix for him. You know, well above yeah. our our station. But yeah, good good yeah. player. Yeah, talking about midfielders and just to backtrack, um, one player that we never saw the best of at all really was uh, Liam Walsh. And I think he was linked with Swansea. Nothing's happened there, but it'll be interesting to see where eventually he does uh, end up. Just picking up on some of the topics, just to wrap up that are coming up on the OTIB as we write. And we're talking uh, interchangeable fixtures here. What's going on with Derby County? You know, is it a case... 
I interviewed Sean uh, Taylor for the podcast. We didn't talk in depth about well, it was yeah, it wasn't appropriate because uh, it was I think a few years before he joined, or maybe he was there. Swindon Town getting relegated. Never mind points deduction for yeah. financial irregularities. And is it one law for one lot and one lot for another? Is it because it's Wayne Rooney's Derby County? They're going to get away with it. What? You're closer to this than me because you analyse the, the detail of some of the finances, football in general. What do you think should happen to Derby as you see it? I think they've been very lucky so far, you know, from, from my position to that things have dragged on as long as they have because that's made it more murky, I think. I think whatever they've done come out and announce this week in terms of having to restate their finances to me it should have been you need to restate your finances within the next two weeks because we need a decision to make and then get on with it i'm not being funny i'm not an accountant but how difficult can it be to restate those those accounts for those particular transactions around players it it ain't it, a little standalone spreadsheet saying this is well there's not a lot there it's, uh, yeah as you say just yeah, it's one spreadsheet, yeah. so, isn't it? And you know, that's not necessarily going through the whole, you know, company's house stuff. That's actually all you need to do is to resubmit your EFL return. You know, that 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 could have that could have happened. Um, don't know if you're still. Yeah, you are. Oh, yeah, I'm still there. Yeah, I was just yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I think we've I think we've been quite. Well, the EFL have been the independent panel have been quite lenient with them in terms of what they've done so far. I think EFL are about to. Um, challenge it, aren't they? And and I think Mel Morris as an owner has taken the piss, if I'm being quite honest. And mm. they may still scrape through FFP, in which case, fine. Mm. But they've hamstrung themselves going forward as well. So you know, it, they're, I think they'll eventually get their their comeuppance. Yeah, you one would hope so, but we've hoped that for so many clubs as well, haven't we, in the past? Yeah. Aston Villa, Sheffield yeah. Wednesday took their punishment like uh, like men and ended up relegated, didn't they? Only Jess. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, if things were fair, Derby would have gone down because Sheffield's form was pretty good. And you have to agree mm-hmm. with Nigel Pearson. If the season gone on for another month, we'd have been uh, in we'd have We'd have gone down and it would have been very difficult, I think, with our state of our finances, because our finances to the end of was it end of it's the end of May our books are done, aren't they? I mean, we yeah. we still think there's a 35 million loss coming through, don't we? Yeah, certainly and quite easily within that magnitude could be, yeah. Yeah. You know, so and when we see that the plans for the uh, sporting quarter are going ahead, I mean, you know, we do berate Steve Lansdowne for some of the things that he's done. But at the end of the day, you know, we are in a lot better position than I would say probably 75% of all football clubs. I mean, there are a lot of clubs that are run on a shoestring. You sometimes wonder how Brentford, you know, you look at Brentford as a model. I mean, they're kicking off next season in their new ground, a home to... Uh, home to uh, Arsenal, I think it is. But you sometimes mm. look at some clubs and you think, well, how do they get away with it? You know, Gates halves, Bournemouth even, Gates getting halves, what we're getting. And I think it's a pretty good, and I think Pearson acknowledged that in his little speech last week. We seem to be, I got the impression it was more him wanting to talk to the fans and it being an official uh, bulletin coming out from the club. Really yeah. grateful for the fact that 12,000 people with no guarantee that we're going through stadiums in August, 12,000 people have gone out, you and me included, gone out and bought their season tickets for next year. And I, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait until that opening day when I think, even though it's Blackpool, I think they'll get a crowd of 20,000, don't you? Just because yeah. people want to come, want to experience it again. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm really I looking mean. forward to it. Well, look, Dave, great talking to you. Um, we, we, we've, we've, we've missed uh, Ian with his mumblings in there and, and Mark as well, but Ian had his turn a few weeks ago and uh, Mark, uh, we'll do some with Mark coming up. Uh, I won't say how do we think the Germany game's going to go because half the people who listen to this will probably be listening after Tuesday. Um, come fortnight on Sunday, though, do you think football will be coming home or do you think even if we beat the Krauts there's better teams than us uh, in the uh, in the competition that you know we're we're not going to win it are we there you go. No, I, 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 I don't I don't think football's coming home 
much as I'd love it to, and it'd be fantastic if it, if it is. I, I I think we ain't got enough to win this tournament. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got plenty to look forward to this next season. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, despite what happened last year, uh, last season, and dare I say it, for the last two years of Lee Johnson's uh, tenure. Um, something to look forward to. I think it's season either season 54. Yeah, it is season 54 for uh, for me. That's right. Yeah, season 54. I don't know how many it is for you, Dave. But, um, um, 79, four, four, 42 for me. There you I go. know you wouldn't so, guess, but... Okay. <laughs> the worrying thing is that we've probably got fewer seasons to see than what we have seen. So it'd be really nice to have... Oh, be really nice, oh. <laughs> it'd be really nice to have just one... Please, please, pretty please, one season at the top table just to... Uh, get embarrassed but I, I live in hope yeah. that we can do a Burnley or a or a, or a Watford or even even a Bournemouth for a few years but uh, yeah maybe. I hope this is the start I hope this is the start of the journey under, yeah. under Mr. Right. Well, I, we'll I speak said, again we'll right speak again before the season starts quick one before you go those three friendlies that they're offering for you know we're giving them a free plug here three friendlies on Robin's TV for 20 quid and maybe Rennie yeah. Gilmartin now that he's left Swindon will come back and do the analysis but are they not open to the general public those friendlies are they behind closed doors it, it looks that way because of because of covid i think so yeah i think that's interesting I, maybe I they might we don't know but uh, dave a pleasure as always and uh Likewise. here we go i'm going to stop the recording and then uh, here we go it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points perfect or the mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.